is episode two of the Making of Dharmaland podcast. Welcome back to all our listeners. I'm your host, Brian Chittister, also the co-producer of the Dharmaland album. And this episode is devoted to the opening track entitled The King and Queen of Waters. It was written by Abi in January 1957 and sent off for copyright. And it received a copyright stamp about a year later in early 1958. The melody itself and some of the lyrics are derivative of the song Cool Water by the composer Bob Nolan, who was a member of the Western music act known as the Sons of the Pioneers, who first recorded it themselves in 1931, and then it was later recorded by some pretty big names in popular music and in early country and Western music, or just Western music as it was known then, including Vaughn Monroe in 1948, who a year later did probably the biggest hit version of Ghost Riders in the Sky, which Abby had a hand in actually helping to get into the hands of both Vaughn Monroe and Burl Ives. And I believe he was actually given some of the royalties by the composer, Stan Jones, of Ghost Riders in the Sky. But also in terms of Cool Water, Frankie Lane recorded a version in 1955, and I think it cracked the top 10. Frankie Lane also recorded two of Abby's songs in the 1950s. So these may have been some of the ways in which Abby was associated with the song Cool Water and would have integrated this melody into the song King Queen of Waters. 1958. The Sons of the Pioneers re-recorded it again for RCA Victor in 1959, and I think it was actually a pretty big hit then. May have influenced him again, although I honestly can't say whether this song in particular would have been a part of Dharmaland or not. One of the things I didn't mention in the opening episode of this podcast was that there was no actual folio where, you know, it was written on the front of the folder the word Dharmaland or Dharmaland Suite or anything. We, myself and Ix Dehule, particularly myself, really sort of intuited how this might have worked as a suite based on some later suites that had the same melodies but were recycled, and how this material, particularly melodically, always seemed for Eden to be involved in some something of a suite. And so the material got recycled a lot after what we're now calling Dharmaland, but also all the songs always remain part of larger suites. So in that way, it was more just sort of looking for a title. King and Queen of Waters, to me, was very evocative of landscape. It felt like it was sort of maybe a a little more lighter version of some of the fantasy-laden landscape music and fantasy-laden music in general that was a part of Dharmaland. So I felt like it fit in there. Originally, my idea was to record it as a link track but it became its own song, and we'll discuss that a little bit later. But first of all, how would Abi have been introduced to a song like Cool Water by the Sons of the Pioneers in order to have created kind of a derivative of it? And uh, this is just conjecture on my part, but one of Abi's early musical collaborators, friends, and at one point a de facto manager for him was a guy named Cowboy Jack Patton, who recorded some music in the Mountain Man or Western music tradition, and the relationship in general in pop culture between mountain men and cowboys and nature boys was already kind of apparent in the 1940s and 50s because of the shared rugged individualism of them all. And 
also for the fact, at least in terms of the Nature Boys, that there was no real psychedelic or flower power genre at the time. So they weren't really seen as part of a larger movement the way that maybe the Nature Boys and particularly Abby has been reinserted into um, pop culture history now as, as kind of a forefather of, of psychedelia and flower power music back then. Particularly Abby's music was kind of out on its own and, and maybe he preferred it that way. But there were attempts to, to kind of integrate him into existing styles um, and existing sides of the music industry then. And because of his relationship with Cowboy Jack Patton, presenting Abby as a, as a rugged individualist and also him occasionally doing, you know, cowboy songs or Western songs was something that was a part of his music. For instance, Abby and Patton wrote a song called uh, Trail's End in 1949 together. Patton recorded a version of it in 1950. They wrote a song together called The Jalopy Song, which Patton recorded later, but Frankie Lane recorded in 1951. So it wouldn't be incongruent for him to have recorded King Queen of Water as a cowboy type song. Also, there were other songs by the Sons of the Pioneer where thematically or lyrically they, they have some crossover between what they're talking about and what Abby was writing about, like the song Wind, or Twilight on the Trail, or another one they wrote called Chant of the Wanderer. So these kind of are reminiscent of some of Abby's themes or titles as well. And in terms of Cool Water, there were versions after Abby's King and Queen of Waters, including one by Joni Mitchell and another by Fleetwood Mac in the 80s. And then there's also the relationship melodically between Cool Water and the Beach Boys songs, Cool Cool Water from 1970 and California Saga from their 1973 Holland album. The connection between Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys and Abby, as I mentioned in the opening episode of this podcast, is still some, somewhat of a mystery. There's one photo. There seems to have been a musical affinity between them and this particular track I designed for Dharmaland with that some somewhat in mind. The opening chant is very much related to both the Sons of the Pioneers' Cool Water and the Beach Boys' Cool Cool Water. The smile vibe of the song also kind of relates to the way pop culture is turned absurd and ultimately made metaphysical by the creativity of the performance. And I think that's something that you get strongly in Smile, but I think you hear it throughout Abby's canon of music or body of work in the 1950s and 60s. So he, he was somebody who was open to the idea that novelty could sort of transcend the genre, <laughs> give people a opportunity to maybe shed their inhibitions and act silly while at the same time being exposed to um, things outside the rat race like healthy eating and meditation and wandering and things like that. And Abby was also associated with another nature boy named Gypsy Boots who was very well known and regarded as kind of a you know, vaudevillian or a novelty figure who was an advocate of health food in the 1950s and 60s, was on the Steve Allen show regularly, interviewed by Groucho Marx on television in the 50s and just very, very well regarded even to this day as a pioneer. It was originally intended, like I said, as a short link track for the album, almost kind of like the Who's Sell Out, where they had like faux jingles. And this was not actually in all likelihood 
a conceptual piece on Abby's part. I, I really do believe that it was written probably as a jingle in 1957 because it references the Arrowhead and Puritus Water Company, which was a mineral water company out of Lake Arrowhead. But there was also people around Abby besides just Jack Patton, like Paul Bragg and, and another producer slash impresario named Bob Bertram, both of whom knew Abby in the 1950s and particularly Bertram was trying to get Abby to sing and record and write a lot of novelty songs. They'd also signed a contract, Bertram and Abby, for Nature Boy comics and Nature Boy camping gear. And so there was even a tape in Bob Bertram's archive with a song called Jungle Bungalow. And on the back, there's a, a song called Water, 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 which the, the tape hasn't been transferred yet. But I'm assuming that it might be this song but there was also a song called water 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 that was written by bob bertram in the 1950s on sheet music and so it may have just been that but it's kind of coincidence that it was on the same tape as jungle bungalow which was written and recorded by abby in 1958 so it's a lot of kind of ins and outs of this one but again i think it was written originally as a jingle in the style of cool water by the sons of the pioneer for this mineral water company arrowhead and puritus water and not really a conceptual piece at all but i decided to treat it more as a conceptual piece i liked that it referenced lake arrowhead in southern california i liked that it had this kind of king and queen fantasy but also topographical element to it so it, it somehow it just seemed like it was a little bit of novelty and fun that could also have some conceptual value to the larger album. At first, the, the band Exhule didn't want to record it, but I think as we got talking about what was in the song or some of the potentials of the song or the overall concept of the song, at least Matthias Unabach, one of the two arrangers and one of the five members of Exhule, got or understood the vernacular humor in it and he was like the most open to kitsch of all the members of the group so he came up with an idea based on like sort of my history and kind of how I suggested to do it as kind of this liquid version of a western song or a western style jingle and he he, he really had this idea to put a Corla Pandit organ sound on it that along with that crashing percussion sound really became kind of the, the bedrock of why the song, I think, has this sort of pop absurdist avant-garde element to it. And from there, I invited Eve Zani, who knew Abby actually in the 1970s. He would visit a music store that she worked at in Van Nuys in the San Fernando Valley in LA, and they became friends. And she never got to work with Abby while she was living out there and while he was alive, but she did record one of his songs, Land of Love, in the late 90s for one of her, her you know, kind of jazz crooner albums. And I, I like Eve a lot. She's a great singer. And so I kind of pushed her during the sessions to experiment around with this a lot because the original track was sort of monotone. It had a little bit of like dynamics and it kind of crescendoed a, a little bit before the chorus comes in about halfway through. But adding her there was a lot of extra elements that we could draw from and not everybody liked it at first because she really kind of went for it and 
was very gypsy and strange, but we used her moderately throughout the second half of the track, and I think she adds this kind of very strange liquid fantasy quality to it that definitely takes it outside of the realm of Western music and does something that's very different than either Cool Water by the Sons of the Pioneer or Cool Cool Water by the Beach Boys. But I noticed that some reviewers after the album came out did recognize an affinity between Darmaland and the Beach Boys Smile album and in particular named this song. So I was really glad that that element kind of came out. And then at the end, I had heard sort of a gypsy rhythm that was kind of like almost a subtext to the way the music was kind of going at the end. And so I suggested that Eve and, and Matthias and, and Ix Hule as well sing Ooh Ya Ya, Ooh Ya Ya, which was taken from the original Eden's Island album on the song Eden's Cove, where he had them sing Ooh Ya Ya, Ooh Ya Ya, boys and girls fall in love and whatnot. And so repeating that here for this opening track, I thought was kind of a cool little addition. We didn't want to go too pastiche. I, I especially didn't want Darmaland to feel like a pastiche of Eden's Island. And in the back of my mind, I was even kind of reluctant to put that on there, but I'm glad that we did. I think it, it kind of adds a coherency between the two albums that maybe wouldn't otherwise exist, although both of them are exotica and, and kind of in vague terms, they cross paths, but I think they are so different that it, it's nice to have a little bit of commonality between them. And so that was kind of a happy accident. There's probably a lot more that I can say about this track. And I love the fact that in Abi's larger canon, he has other kind of songs that are sort of pop novelty and they almost sort of veer into the territory of pop art. But this one in particular, I, I'm really glad that it made its way onto the album. I think it's really special. I like the other kind of references it has to pop culture and to other artists that either Abi influenced or were influenced by Abi. So I think it was a really good starting place for the album. It sort of represents this drinking of the witch's brew or, you know, ooping down <laughs> something that is going to start you on the path. And, and that's a very common thing in kind of magic or fairy tales. You know, he's a wandering hierophant or a wandering sadhu who suddenly is in Lake Arrowhead and he gets a taste of this delicious mineral water and it sets him on the larger path and the larger path is captured in the rest of the album. All right, stay tuned for the next episodes. Thanks for listening.